Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. hey it's great to have you back once again. Bonus episode of Classic Conversations. We're doing it crossing the stream style. That's right. What is Crossing the Streams, Jeff? Great question. Glad you asked. Crossing the Streams is a live show that I do with my pals, Howard, Ron, Bob, and Sal, every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're live. Go to our YouTube channel. Link in the show notes. Follow along, comment along, talk with us. What we do is we answer the universal question. What should I be watching next? What should I be watching? What is everyone else talking about? Every week we talk about a bunch of great shows or movies that you can stream and binge. On the YouTube channel right now, we've got over 75 hours of recommendations just waiting for you. So what's this podcast bonus episode? Well, I pull some of the highlights from the live shows. Like this episode has highlights from episode 10, 46, and 66, Crossing the Gamut. Got regular friend to the show, Jess Paul, talking about Kingdom. We got Sal D'Amelio breaking his rom-com trend and talking about Untold, Deal with the Devil, a great boxing documentary. And Howard Rosner is going to take us through one of the best series on Netflix, The Movies That Made Us. So you can tune in every Wednesday. You can check out the YouTube channel or you can just wait right here in the Classic Conversations feed. And I will just send bonus episodes to your ears that you can take in and then go and watch the shows that we talk about. Speaking of shows and talking about shows, let's get right to it. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. Let's kick things off from episode 46. Howard Rosner is going to take us through the movies that made us. Take it away, Roz. One of my favorite series. We're going to cover the movies that made us on uh, Netflix. So the movies that made us, this is, we could we could probably spend an, an entire episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably cover it again in future episodes but I yeah did a jurassic park shirt for this fantastic so. nice and i have my top five records from uh, high fidelity so the movies that made us is it's great it is such bubblegum you know pleasant to watch but really informative television. So if you haven't seen it, what it is, is now three seasons on Netflix, each episode focusing on the making of a different movie that was a cultural icon. So just really quick, the list of the movies uh, that have episodes so far, Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, Ghostbusters, Die Hard, Back to the Future, Pretty Woman, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Robocop, Aliens, Coming to America, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Elm. And they're all great. Let's pause for a minute and we're back. I mean, every episode I've seen is fantastic. So uh, like I said, aside from being really informative and getting pretty good interviews of a lot of the people that were heavily involved in making those movies. The one thing that I love is they don't make them overly serious. They do 
an incredible editing job with the graphics also, where they use movie lines from characters in that specific movie or that actor in a previous movie that just like answers a question or accentuates a question. And and I love it. It's so upbeat because of that. But the stories and the information that they provide is fantastic. It, like, And a lot of it is stuff that I never knew before. So I, I don't want to get too far afield in any of the episodes, but just a couple of things that came up in some of the episodes that I really liked. So there were a few things in the Ghostbusters episode that were just incredible. I never knew that Dan Aykroyd's family was so big generations back into the occult. And that's where he got the idea, Aykroyd, to start writing this script that he'd had for a long time. And he had written the script. I was amazed by this. He had written the script for the original three Ghostbusters to be him, Belushi, and Eddie Murphy. Think about that would have been pretty amazing. So they talk about that. Obviously, uh, you know, um, Eddie Murphy had become just a, a superstar. Belushi had passed away. They brought in Harold Ramis, and there wasn't a fourth character. They brought that character. They brought the Winston Zeddemore character in later. Uh, and then the so, but the homage to Belushi that's in the movie as it is now is they demanded that Slimer look like Belushi. So that was, uh, they took a lot of uh, facial features. So that was interesting. Pretty Woman, I thought was uh, amazing that it was really written almost as a serious movie, the original script, like a, a, a serious, and the end was not a fairy tale princess ending. That was uh, amazing. I loved one of the facts from Forrest Gump was uh, that Tom Hanks didn't have that accent down when they started initial filming for the movie. And the way that he developed that accent, which really, he was just doing a Southern accent. The way he developed developed the accent was the kid that played young forest his accent which wasn't an acted accent was just literally his accent his accent his tone uh his cadence they said that's it and tom hanks just started studying the kid doing his scenes and picked it up that way and that's what stuck for forest's accent wow Die Hard was a couple of amazing things that I didn't know. Number one being that the first choice to play John McClane in Die Hard, because Die Hard was loosely based on a book in, from years earlier, the first choice to play John McClane, but he was clearly too old, was Frank Sinatra. Oh. Frank freaking Sinatra. What? He must have been well, 70 years old at that point. 60 something. That would have been good. It might have been he more like a rap pack. Yeah. So it was Sinatra and they're like, no. And then they ran down the list at the time of every action star. Clint Eastwood, Schwarzenegger, Burt Reynolds, every wow. action star you could think of. Bruce was just on Die Hard. Like, there's no way. There's no way he can carry a big budget action movie, but they stuck with it. The other thing that I thought was absolutely incredible from a movie making standpoint was the shot that they did with Hans falling at the end. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Mm -hmm. They filmed that. They actually dropped Alan Rickman 40 feet and he wanted to do it himself, not a stuntman. So they had him in a harness with a rope and they let him drop into a foam pit. They're like, I don't know how this is going to go. But <laughs> then uh, he demanded to do it. But the thing was, they told him we're going to go three, two, one, go. And then we'll let you go. 
That's what they told him. The head stunt coordinator told everybody else, we're dropping him on one. So they did. So the look of terror on his face was pure terror because they dropped him on one and he's like oh (laughs) i'm like that's incredible that's one of the most iconic shots of the last 30 plus years of film and it happened just because they lied to him and then the other thing was uh elf was uh you know the the way the movie came together was uh a writer who had written this script couldn't get anybody to go for it and he finally got some low-level assistant producer working for some studio to take a meeting with him and uh, the guy took a meeting and he's like i can't find anybody nobody wants it i don't know who we can attach to this the guy's like i'm gonna find somebody and he knew of a basketball game that will ferrell's agent played in and he went on a Saturday morning to play in this bass pickup basketball game. And he pitched the agent and they attached Will to it. Uh, and that's how Will Ferrell got attached to it. So it was pretty cool. And then they talked about John Favreau. The way that Favreau got attached was because they had gone uh, to watch Will uh, with some of the filming for old school as they were trying to pre-produce it. And uh, Vince Vaughn said, you know, why don't you talk to Favreau? That sounds like something he would like. And Favreau came into a meeting and said that he wrote on a blackboard. He said, there's three things that I want this story to be. And if you can agree to those three things, I'm in. One was he wanted to do the stop, the stop animation, like the famous Christmas movies like Rudolph. And he wanted to do it in that style. They're like, great. We love that. The second was that he wanted it to be a true heartwarming family story. And then the third thing was he wrote, I want this to be a an all-time holiday classic and hmm. uh which is just incredible foresight it is um, it's the interesting thing about elf david berenbaum wrote the script favreau directed it ed asner was santa claus it's the most jewish christmas movie <laughs> yes. and it's and it's the best it's <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah berenbaum said that he didn't really write the movie as a pure christmas movie he wrote it as a uh, a father and son coming together and he wrote it uh, after his dad had passed away so it was it was purely it was cathartic for him mm. um and he talks about it at the at the end of the episode so i love this series there isn't a time i don't walk into a room and i'll just go i'm singing and you're my dad <laughs> and i love you <laughs> we my my wife and i all the time uh, say to each other bye buddy good luck finding your dad <laughs> thanks mr um, narwhal so ross i got a question so uh each episode takes a look at one movie kind of yes. thing Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a look at it from conceptualization through release, pretty much. Um, cool. You know, Jurassic Park, you know, Jurassic Park episode. I mean, Jurassic Park, I mean, a lot of people obviously know this, but um, Jurassic Park changed movie making forever. And it was really one guy who realistically changed movie making forever. It was a guy who was on the team that was uh, charged with doing what was supposed to be the animatronic dinosaurs and, and was partially. And he, he he's there they're like we might be able to do this with computers and his bosses were like no we're not doing it's not there's no way and he on his own took months 
designing the T-Rex running in computers and finally put it on a disc and they took it to a screening with Spielberg and the studio and George Lucas. And they're like, holy sh- Spielberg. They said Spielberg, his head almost exploded. And they're like, holy shit, that's it. And that, that, that guy doing that literally changed CGI for movie making forever. The so, inter- yeah, interesting thing about this entire series is they maybe have like in Jurassic Park, which is why I'm wearing my dress, but they, they have Sam Elliott, I think. Like he might be like the only real big name that they actually got. Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump, yeah. Yeah, but so but the cool thing about that is is it's the other people, it's the the lower level folks or the folks we don't know about right. that have the best story. It's like pretty woman, the pretty woman one is spectacular. Like they went to the schlockiest movie making company in the world to get this made because every, and that's the funny thing about all these movies that made us is almost every one of them didn't almost didn't get made. Yeah. It's like the, they sat around yeah. for years. Like, I don't remember which one, if it was, uh, it might've been pretty woman where it, they almost had the deal. And then the per they, it gets, it was one of the movies where then it gets shelved. And then the person goes to another studio where the person happened to bring it up. And now that person who loved it, the other studio is at this studio. So it kind of comes back to life. And it's just a series of like stories about all these things. It, it is amazing. I, I so And I'm new to this series, Howard, but I, I just caught the last two. I, ju- I just watched the Halloween and Friday the 13th uh, episodes. And I love exactly the, the little production things that you didn't realize. I love all the stories like that. So this show chronicling little things that are trivial uh, is a fascinating way to, mm-hmm. to analyze shows. As an example, Halloween, uh, I think I mentioned to you, Halloween spent a third of their $100,000 budget hear that again the entire budget for the movie was a hundred thousand dollars and they spent a third of the budget on a single camera uh, the right. it was uh their panavision steady shot which was brand new at the time the people that made that movie were were like losing their mind that they they had no money to spend on actors or or sets or houses yeah. or anything because they spent all the money on this camera and boy did it pay uh, pay off it was the yeah, first movie to, to do it it's they're just, still making movies yep. yeah still yeah 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 like bar- barely they Making more TV shows. Yeah, like Forrest Gump, they almost uh, shelved it because as they were pre in pre-production, Rain Man won, you know, was up for Oscars. And they're like, nobody's going to want to see another Savant movie, yeah. you know? So they yeah. almost shelved it because of that. They're like, yeah, eh. they got their fill of, of, of Savants. Who's going to It was only because it? someone liked the book, which is a crappy book, It's which has nothing to do with really what they turned it into. It's like, it's so interesting. All right, that was the movies that made us. Thank you, Howard Rosner. You can check out the full episode, episode 46 on the YouTube channel. If you start to dive into that show on Netflix, just clear your whole week because you're just you're not gonna want to stop. All right, up next, rom-com fans of Sal D'Amelio, be damned because Sal's going all in with untold deal with the devil. But this is a great one. Enjoy. Take it away, Sal. Let's go with Untold right. Deal with the Devil. All right. Come on, Sally. All right. right. Well, I threw you guys for a loop. I threw in a boxing documentary uh, (laughs) along with my show partner here, Bob. But I disguised it. You didn't know. I know. I love that. Two of them. But uh, anyway, this this, uh, documentary, and it's the Untold series, like Jeff said, I've done I think I've done all of them except the Malice one. I think uh, Rosner did that one. But basically, this is the story of a uh, professional women's boxer, uh, Christy Martin. 
Let's pause for a minute, and we're back. Uh, she actually became uh, the the winningest uh, women's you know boxer in in the history of the sport, and she's yeah. a. Uh, Basically, her and it just goes through her basically her life. Really, really good footage. Another documentary. This untold. Uh, the whole series. I think there's five or six of them. All, all of them have really, really good footage, and I think that's very important, obviously, in a documentary. So it's a lot of uh, footage, which is really cool of her boxing. But basically, she's from West Virginia. She's. Uh, it's kind of funny. They a lot of the footages of the fights. Uh, they would call her a coal miner's daughter of the boxing industry. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. how she started her boxing career. She's. Uh, uh, again, Colmeyer's daughter and uh, West Virginia, tough kid, grew up in like in a tough neighborhood when she was young. It's kind of funny how she started boxing. I think Bob will appreciate this. She, uh, There was like this fair in town and there was thousands of people and they were boxing. They were like just in the neighborhoods boxing. And she's like, mommy, I want to do that. And she's like, what are you crazy? <laughs> and she goes in there and the mother sees that the uh, winners get $200 for each fight that they can win over the weekend. She wins three fights, makes the family $600. And uh, that's how her boxing career got started. She started uh, uh, kind of going in the gyms and everything and uh, just, just, just getting better at boxing. This is very important because it's a lot of, um, also shows a little bit of LGBTQ situations that are going on in this country from back then, even till today. But she uh, started having a relationship with a another female basketball player on her high school team. And that kind of fizzled out after high school. Her boxing became very, very important. And that relationship kind of dwindled. And she started boxing. She started getting very good at boxing. She got a manager named Jim Martin, became her, her trainer. And he was one of the best in the business, a very good prize fighter himself. Uh, and anyway, really good uh, coach and took her to another level. And then Don King got involved. And mm. uh, this was kind of funny when she, and, and this is all on footage, but you're not hearing them actually talk, but they had literally video of Don King sitting behind a desk. And it's kind of funny. The narrator said uh, when the contract went on the table, this Jim Martin, who was managing uh, Christy said, uh, well, we have to take that contract home with us. And Don King said, well, how much are you guys making now? And he, and Jim goes, well, we're making two hundred dollars a fight. He goes, well, that contract, <laughs> he goes that contract ain't leaving that desk, and that contract's going to make you more than two hundred dollars a fight. <laughs> Obviously, it made them millionaires. Actually, Don King made them millionaires. He put them on undercards with Mike Tyson. I didn't even know this. I mean, I've been watching boxing. Yeah, yeah. Really she was she was one of the first. Uh, yeah. yeah, I really didn't know about it to be honest with you. But anyway, uh, she had a very very lustrous career. She ended up fighting. Uh, Ali's uh, daughter, and, and that was actually one of her. Well, she ended up going like forty nine and nine, but that was one of her first early losses. But anyway, she became a very, very successful uh, boxer. But on the other hand, she also had a tough time because she ended up marrying her manager, and he ended up abusing her, and it was just uh. and, and uh, just a horrible marriage. And actually, got to the point where you know there was almost an attempted murder involved uh, by him, uh, who ended up doing jail time on this and it just kind of tells you the whole story of her not her only her boxing career but her sexuality and her and obviously her abuse she got into drugs um they just started doing cocaine together her and jim very very troubled uh girl but uh, obviously just an amazing boxer and uh, i tell you this documentary takes you on a journey of her life and uh, it was worth the whole hour and 17 minutes uh, she turns her life around at the end and and is um, actually ended up, it's kind of funny, she kind of ended up marrying 
the high school girl, the girl that she dated in high school, because obviously she found her sexuality. That marriage didn't last. And then she ended up actually getting together at the end with one of the girls she fought mm. years earlier in, in the ring, actually, a, another very good fighter. And uh, anyway, it's a great story. She's into, she's into coaching herself now. Really cool. So she did all the talk shows, all that stuff. She was a, a really big name in the sport. And I, unfortunately, I just didn't follow women's boxing, but that was a, a great documentary. I highly recommend it. Great summary, Sal. She was, she was the, uh, she was the, uh, to, to boxing, what the runaways were to rock and roll back in okay. 76 and seven. She, you know, she just came out of nowhere and she was so far and away better than anybody else. Yep. You know, she made some money, but not the kind of money that remember Ronda Rousey, you know, she yeah, was, you're right. She was before that, but she, yeah, well, she was doing okay for herself in some of the footages they showed of her home, yeah, and cars, and yeah, she was a good boxer. She could kick the shit out of all five of us. There's no question. <laughs> oh my god, she was tough. I mean, and the footage of her boxing is just just some amazing just uh, highlights reels of her. I, I always I always wondered too if if she was the inspiration behind Million Dollar Baby. I mean, the the Clint Eastwood I, movie. I, it really. Could be, man. It could it's be. That. Yeah. It's a great Absolutely. Movie. Absolutely. Because her big fights were in 96, 97. That was just about when that movie was around, I believe. Like, yeah. yeah. That like, was uh, yeah. not long after. Yeah. That's a good point, Bob. That's great. It, Maybe it, what Mike White knows. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I, I'm on, Mike. I remember that uh, Million Dollar Baby, I want to say, was based on a book that was written by, a, was it a referee or a corner man? So, but he was telling a lot of his uh some of the stuff that he had seen and i want to say that i heard an interview with him on npr it was one of those like where you hear the interview and then a few years later this movie comes out and you're like i think i've heard that story where have i heard that yeah, before yeah yeah and oh one more thing about that i, I just googled it sal and i yeah, uh too. katie Dallum. Dillium. okay that's right one more thing about that documentary i've i've been obviously rocky's one of my favorite movies of all time and i've been Yay. watching boxing my whole life i've one of the best boxing kind of scenes i've ever seen on film or anything was when she broke her hand in a fight she was about to win the fight it was mm. two minutes away from her winning this really, really big fight. And she was actually fighting with a broken hand. You can see her mm. kind of dangling it in the mm. round, in the ring. And the freaking ref called the fight with like a minute to go. No. And you they have her in the corner. He's holding her wrists and she's going with her mouth like close as hell. She's like, let me finish this. Let oh, me and oh. it was just sweats going down her face. I'm like, oh my God, it's like one of the best boxing scenes I've ever seen. And it was real footage. But yeah, that was awesome. It's, it's worth that's worth watching right there. Good. I'm gonna watch it. I'm watching it tomorrow, buddy. I've never right. seen that one. All right. How awesome was Sal? The Untold series seemed to all be really, really good. That one definitely seems awesome. That was Mike White in there as well from the projection booth. Mike's been on the show a couple of times. His podcast, The Projection Booth, was just named one of the best pop culture podcasts. So kudos to you, Mike White. Up next, someone else who's got a lot going on, Jess Paul, frequent guest to the show. But this this one goes all the way back to episode 10, way back when we were just crossing the stream babies. This is Kingdom. So if you like zombie Korean Game of Thrones type shows, whoa, in for a treat. Take it away, Jess. Her next amazing show, ladies and gentlemen, 
It's oh, kingdom. Mine. Kingdom. But Jess is up. Blood, Blood is, is gonna fight. spill. Blood is gonna spill on this. <laughs> on this okay. Netflix. We're going all the way across a couple ponds um, to feudal Korea, and the the one place in time where you'd never think that there would be a zombie outbreak. It is so much fun. It is so unique. So basically, we start. Where, where, where does that story start? We learn pretty quickly that the king has died or, or might have died. He's sick. He might die, but he is still holding on. He's still holding on. And, and again, this is feudal Korea. So about like medieval times, I'm get medieval times is very broad because couldn't tell you. I tried to look it up and like the dynasty lasted like a thousand years. So I'm not sure when this takes place exactly. But man, one thing that I learned about this, like I'll get to the zombies in a second because they are fierce. But I realized watching this show, I, I okay, I, I'm watching the show with my friend Zoe. We're doing Netflix night. We're doing it um, this Saturday again. And we've been watching two series. We'll, we'll open with Misfits, which I talked about a couple episodes ago if you guys were there. So we'll open with Misfits because it's funnier. It's really weird to watch Misfits after um, all the blood and gore and uh, political drama that is Kingdom. Then we'll watch the zombies. So so for one thing, I realized about this show when I first watched it, and I felt so stupid, that I could not tell you what any other country was doing besides like British Europe in like medieval i didn't know what anyone looked like can you guys like think about it like what what did they wear did they have kingdoms like you know so yeah i I mean feudal so like you know there's lots of there's basically the poor in the dirt and then there's these kings and we'll get to the zombies in a second but one thing that i was really drawn to and this just says so much about me like i didn't even know the super bowl happened this week until they they said it the next day who won and i didn't even know who was in it so So, yeah, I'm pretty out of touch. But when I saw, you know, some of these costumes that were in this show, that was like even more exciting than like some of the blood and guts in running, running zombies, like speedy zombies that were in this. Like, could could you even imagine what they wore back then? Can I share my screen on this? No, probably not. Right. Yeah, I think I can. Can I? Can I, Jeff? No. If, if you yeah. can do it, do it. This will be a first. If you, it's Jess, exciting. I want to ask what 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 is the what is the vocal the audio like on that show? Well, you do, do they, have to read it, yeah, because it oh, is it is Korean. So right, uh, I notice I'm looking now and I see they actually filmed this right in Seoul, Korea. So they're spe- they're speaking Korean through the whole thing. They are speaking Korean. It is a Korean show that Netflix is sharing with the rest, you know, of the world. And so you do have to read. But to be honest, there's not. There's a lot of time where you don't have to read anything because, you know, fighting zombies, because um, there are some ugh, some of the best choreography. If you are into action, if you're into horror action, imagine Korea, like, and and the, the prince, the protagonist is the prince who is supposed to take the kingdom, basically. He's being pushed out. He's kind of like John, the Jon Snow of feudal Korea, Korea right here. Mm. Like he he's, you know, not wanted, but he That's might awesome. have, you know, an actual place in the throne. But since like the the father is still alive, he's being kept alive by zombie magic in a in a very interesting route. Which oh god, oh, I actually just found out. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys if you want to see it. But like the last episode I watched, I think I'm I think it, I, we got one more until the fin- we are on the finale. Oh, we're on the finale. 
We found out. We just go all through all the stages of, of grief. <laughs> but basically, I had just found out in the episodes like what the the zombie outbreak has come from because okay, I'll, I'll tell a little bit of the plot in the beginning. Everybody's infected because somebody in feudal Korea, everybody's very poor, and, and they they have meat introduced into this one village, mm. and might be a person, might be a person who is bit by the king who might be the first zombie in this entire because they're trying to keep him alive again by zombie magic so this entire village is then just infected to the degree and this is fun uh, again i'm not going to give away too much of the plot but what they do find should i this is a really fun part okay what i this is like i said like i said Who it's she unique- talking to I, I'm trying. I'm working I, through I it out loud. It's a podcast. Themselves. I need that you need you you work you work out your thoughts out loud because I'm trying to think if I should tell you guys certain things. Sure, go ahead. Let me let me <laughs> let me tell you one of the coolest things about. It. So these zombies, they they believe in the beginning. Uh, they, they don't know why they're coming alive at night, and that is kind of one of the gimmicks that bad me. Oh, so close. It happens that the bodies kind of collapse and fall apart when. They think it's the sunlight because they only start moving in the night. What you find out, though, is that it's it's heat and they're going into winter. So it it, get, ugh, it really intensifies about every two episodes. Like the stakes get higher. Things look more impossible. Like you literally watch the protagonist all, almost get eaten running from these zombies to get through these gates for like two minutes straight. You're like, oh, my God, he almost got ate like five times. <laughs> So, so so is it very dark? Is it a dark show to watch? Not dark emotionally, dark on the screen. It so it's, it appears to be. It's got a lot of politics behind it. You know how like Game of Thrones, they're all they're just fucking talking to each other for like ever. You know, everybody's having yeah. a different conversation, scene after scene. It's very much like that. And then you have the brutal zombie action. And let me tell you about these freaking extras, or I don't even know what you would call them. And 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 me and Zoe were watching other Korean zombie films because it's a it's a big thing over there. They love them. I'm sure that they have love so many things that we also love because we're all human beings but it is it is a pretty we big... just brought the world together across <laughs> the stream so <laughs> this is like that peace moment <laughs> but but yeah uh so whoever the like if when you see a zombie extra in a korean zombie film they are putting in the work i don't even know if you could call them extras if they're all stunt people but there's hundreds like there are shots where there's hundreds just people walking around like falling over each other like these are props these people are like making their bodies into incredibly fun to watch props uh just like because they're they're dead they're just do you know was the show produced by netflix or was it purchased by netflix but and it was already i'm I'm assuming it was purchased yeah okay it sounds crazy i I, by the way i think fred was asking like visually is it visually dark yeah that's what i was getting at like when you're visually uh, yeah i mean it, it's in the night but i mean it's lit as as well as any other any other movie or, are you, guys, you remember all the, all, all, the com- all the complaints of game of thrones about well i'll tell you that the asian level of cinematography oh my god has become such a so the screenwriting side of it that i study a lot is so simplistic they because they're okay, trying yeah. to they're trying to sell it to an American. Yeah. This is where the money is. You know, we all know that this is where you want to make your film and the cinematography of it has become grown because of that, mm-hmm. because the director is taking over and the screenwriter isn't as a existent. It's not all about him. That's, that's, that's all- funny that you say that about 
about how they did because I I do feel like I grasped it even though it was it was very Game of Thronesian in the way that like and this I always had a problem I didn't finish Game of Thrones but one of the problems I had which a lot of people had was keeping tabs on who's who there's so many characters introduced and they're all political or or like part of the the kingdom hierarchy for the most part except for like a couple like a nurse and stuff so so it's like they're all head of, they're chief of something they're king or, or like whatever whatever they're different you know um like whatever those statuses were and and so you know just to know that like you know the how the zombies work and how what the threats are like that's what we needed to know and and basically the the goal is pretty clear that the prince protagonist he's like he's at the forefront of the poster there he rightfully deserves the throne both like within the status that he is because they're trying to keep his father alive and they're not they're, they're being deceptive but oh god, look at these costumes! Oh, here we can. See, oh, geez. So these hats—they're <laughs> like mesh. I'm like, how were they making these clothes back then? I love watching all of these costumes. They're fantastic. Oh, yeah, the, that's the a palace. talent. Talk about you know cinematography in a set. You know that is it, it is very fun to watch. It's it's gorgeous. It really is like it's zombie Game of Thrones from Korea. Like really. So if you if you like any of those things, then please go Who right doesn't? ahead. This Justin. <laughs> Easy <laughs> Ryan fly <laughs> was on the fence, but you got me, Jess. Costume Vince. Costume Vince. Oh, good. All right. That was Jess Paul and Kingdom. Super fun. What a great show, huh? If you like zombies, if you like boxing, if you like movies, the show had it all. Probably one of the greatest shows ever. So definitely put on your checklist, Kingdom, Untold, Deal with the Devil, and the Movies That Made Us. You got a lot of homework. So what I recommend is grab the remote, find your favorite spot on the couch, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.